This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What is up, Knicks fans? It's a beautiful Knicks life. Barry, does it get any better than this? No. Ten wins in a row. Ten and oh, man. Ten and oh. This is the greatest moment of my life right here, Barry. It can't get any better. No, this is what we've all been waiting for. It's been awesome. The summer that we had was amazing. Everything is awesome in Knicks land. Nobody in the entire league is playing an offensive system like we play, playing as hard defense as we play. Every minute of this season, Barry, has been an absolute joy. There's been no stress. Everyone's smiling and happy. It is just a beautiful thing. Finally, the Knicks are sitting on top. What up, Knicks fans? Welcome back to fucking reality. It is a hard Knicks life. The pain, the passion, the podcast. My name is Craig. Some people call me Axe, and on the other mic is Barry. Barry, big night this Thursday. Nick's viewing slash crying party, I'm calling it. Yeah. At Pen 6, that's at 132 West 31st Street. This Thursday, November 14th, come watch the Knicks take on the Mavs at 7 p.m. with us, Knicks Film School, Knicks Fan TV, the Nick of Time Show, Locked on Knicks, and NYK, Terry and Trey. You going, Barry? I am going. This is season three. I'm, I didn't say if I'm going or not. Oh, yeah. Are you going? I don't, dude. I mean, if I can. What? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm going, but I'm going to be miserable. We can all it's be fucking be, miserable together, all right? I feel like it's going to have a different tone, this one. I think people are going to, you know, hitting their breaking point already. If, if anyone needs a fucking hug, you know, I need a hug. Yeah, what time is hug time? I might, just be, I, uh, I might just be walking around the whole viewing party just hugging people. I think people can use that. I think <laughs> Shouldn't we, can we be all do- use that? <laughs> I really think we should just walk up to Knicks fans and just be like, "Do you need a hug?" And just <laughs> do you remember? You remember that part of the, the? Remember a Fight Club? That movie? Yeah, sure. Where uh, I forget there was some sort of um, oh like, right group thing, and everyone was just hugging, and it was what Meatloaf is in that movie, and he's got the big boobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like hugging someone and. That's what I'm picturing, like, when you walk in the Knicks viewing party on Thursday. Right. Just hugging, like, big-breasted men. (laughs) Sad men. All right, Barry, this is season three. Episode 13. This is Randy from Los Bergen. I'm Mark. I've been a Knicks fan for 24 years. Hey, Craig and Barry. This is Ross from Sydney, Australia. I'm from D.C. Hey, guys. Steve here. Manny from Stanford. Calling all the way from Palm Springs, California. It is a hard. It's a hard. It is a hard. Knicks. Knicks life. Knicks life. It's a hard Knicks life. What is up, Barry motherfucking D? What's up, Craig? This is me by basically pretending to be happy and positive right now. Right. Because last night we went to 
the Knicks-Cavs game, and I gotta tell you, Barry, we had the biggest win of the season against Dallas, and the time I spent with you was probably the most depressing two and a half hours I've spent as a Knicks fan in a long time. It was it was brutal because I mean it was they were getting killed from the from the onset of the game. I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought they were going to win the game going in, but what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we were we were even talking on the way in. I was like, you know, before we beat we before we beat Dallas, I was at this awfully depressed state. For our last podcast, Barry, I could barely do it. I think you could barely do it. Yeah. I think that was probably one of the fucking worst podcasts we've ever had because we were so fucking miserable. But then we beat Dallas. And so I was like, oh, this is great. We can go for two in a row. You said that to me too before the game. We might be yeah. going for two in a row. I almost I almost put money on the game, but I was like, you know what? I think it's going to be too close. I, I put money on the, the, I don't think I mentioned this on the last podcast. I put money on the Knicks to beat Boston and I won a hundred bucks doing that because the Knicks were getting nine points and it was the second time they were playing Boston. I had a good feeling and sure enough, they, they covered and I, I won. I checked the uh, the spread of the Cleveland game. The Knicks actually were favored by two points, but I was like, you know what? I think they're going to win, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to win by two. They may only win by one. I think it's going to be that close, but boy, what a fucking disaster of a game that was. I was literally falling asleep during the fucking game. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, w- I was really dozing off and then I remember Knox hit a three and the yeah, crowd yeah, yeah. Like, cheered. <laughs> And I turned around. I was like, "What? What happened?" <laughs> it was fucking so bad. And coming off of that Dallas game, which was the most like one of the most satisfying, exciting wins I have ever seen from Frank doing what he did, and finally, like Frank makes you feel good about him after his struggles. Watching yeah. poor Zingus lose. Watching our team on the road. Basically, I know our free throw shooting sucked late in that game, but we controlled the whole game, really. Yeah. We We were leading the way. Yeah, and we put together four consistent quarters of, of good basketball, you know? There was moments throughout that entire game. It was, and we held on late by a thread. Well, yeah, yeah, I got, I did get worried because of the free throw shooting you know, down the stretch. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. We're gonna we're gonna lose the game because of our free throws. It's awful. It really felt like we were turning a corner with that win. Oh my God. I'm you're looking ahead at the schedule. Oh, we got Cleveland, we've got Charlotte coming up, we got Chicago coming up, we were we already beat. I was like already in my head, I had us at like six and seven, <laughs> you know, clean slate. Hit the reset button and then, you know, oh my God, we drop another twenty plus point loss and Third, the third out of four games. Oh, dude. Back to a sad Knicks reality, I tell you. You know, the other thing with that Dallas game was that there's, there felt like there was closure after that. Closure on the poor Zingas thing. And then also just closure on how miserable we've been. Because, I mean, I thought we were, I thought it was a turning point, like I just said. I remember seeing Fizdale after the game talking about it. And did you see him talking about poor Zingas? About yeah. finally getting a chance to see poor Zingas in action? It looked like Fizdale was going to cry. He was, he was like, yeah, that was the guy I thought I was going to be coaching. You know, I thought I was going to be coaching that. And you could like tell the look in his eyes that he was, he truly was disappointed. Well, sure. This wasn't, was he signed up for? I mean, who would have thought when Porzingis went down that awful day that the next time we all saw him play would be against us? Right. Nobody. And so I felt Fizdale's pain there. Frank had a great game in that Dallas game. Frank was doing everything. Right. His best game of his career. How about Frank making the back cover of two New York newspapers, basically, you know, going up against KP, 
Meanwhile, he ended up getting blocked. There's no mention of that even in the small print on the back of the paper, but it just goes to show you Nick fans want something to be happy about. That's because it's because Frank took him on. Like that's all we want. Yeah. We want we've always said we want the fucking effort. So that was the least important thing thing that Frank did all night, but I think for Knicks fans that took the most heart for him to even attempt. Yeah, that showed and, more and what, about than Frank than anything, really. Yeah, and we always want what? More aggression from Frank, right? We want him to be aggressive out there. You can't get much more aggressive than that, you know, taking on one of the best shot blockers in the league, you know, and then add on that the fact of who it is and, you know, all, all the feeling behind that. Just the, the balls on Frank to go up and do that, even though he got blocked, you know. You tip your hat. So he was he was great in that game. All, of course, all the all the Frank stands coming out in full force after that. You know, ripping on Fizdale, the Knicks for not giving him his playing time. They everyone thought you know this is proof that you were all wrong and we were all right. It's really amazing the dynamic between the Frank lovers, the Frank haters, and I believe that me and you are some of the rare people that are just like right in the middle. I used to be a Frank absolute. Guys, you are fucking up. He's the next Kyrie Irving slash Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm not out look, of my mind, so I've definitely gone back <laughs> quite a look, bit on that. I mean, I'm just somebody I appreciate what he does, you know. And like you asked me, uh, you know, one of the previous pods, do I think he can have an impact on a game? And I said, yeah, I do. You know, even with the limited offensive output that he's got you you see him I mean he affects every play even if he's off the ball he's you know he's um denying passes he's getting he's getting his hands on everything he's really really impressive I mean those are his offensive numbers even though it feels like they've gone up in the last two years they really haven't they stayed the same you know he's still averaging five points he's still averaging you know two and a half assists and all that but you know he's his block numbers are up his steal numbers are up Obviously, you know, having those extra minutes, you know, is key. And now finally getting the consistency is key. All right. I have to be honest, Barry. I I'm feeling like this is a little inauthentic right now because. Oh, because we're so positive. Because we're, we're so, so fucking positive. And guys, I'm going to be honest. This is about to get dark, deep and depressing. All right. Real quick. It's real about quick. to turn real fast. Before we do that, let's just fucking sell some crumb cakes. All right. It is a hard Nick's life. But for this ad, we like to say it's a crummy Nick's life. Using a family recipe in 1950s Brooklyn, fuck the Nets, New York, and perfected on the east end of Long Island. <laughs> Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company promised to deliver you the finest and most delicious crumb cakes on the market. With flavors like, Barry, shoot them out there. What are they? Classic crumb. Classic Blackout. crumb. Blackout. Salted caramel. Mm. Brooklyn Joe. Your taste buds will thank you, and they are available online in two sizes. The classic 8-inch by 8-inch size cakes or the world-famous Crumpkins, which are essentially crumb cakes in mini-muffin form. So, Barry, Knicks fans, we're all miserable, but take a trip down Clarkson Avenue and crumb get some. www.clarksonavcrumb.com. Use promo code HARDNICKSLIFE for 23% off your order. There you have it. And then Barry and I showed up to the fucking Cavs game at Madison Square Garden. And it was not good, Barry. There were chants of fire Dolan. Which did you see? They got kicked out, whoever people started those got, chants. Security some people got kicked out for that. The offensive schemes or lack of schemes by our team. Oh, my goodness. Was just horrible to watch. Frank, 
I I don't know. Am I going to piss people off by saying Frank was not good? Yeah, well, I mean, you said it perfectly to me during the game. You know, Frank is their point guard, and yet right away, you know, he either gives the ball to Randall or gives the ball to Morris, and then he's out. He's off. You know, it's like he's off the clock because he doesn't get the ball back after that. So he's not running the offense. I don't know if Fisdale's calling for this or what. I think even if Fisdale's calling for Frank brings up the ball, hands it off right away to either Morris or Randall, and they become like the point guard, essentially. Even if that's happening, like if you're a real point guard and the Frank fans say he can be a real point guard, he's got to get that ball back at some point. Like you have to come and get it back, like get it back when your teammates aren't doing anything. Or the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth time down the fucking floor, then nothing's working. Don't hand it off. Stop it. But but he's essentially, it feels like he's out there just for his fucking defense. And because he's all we got. But but on offense, Fizdale's like, all right, you just bring the ball up, hand it off. And then I want you to go in the fucking corner and just stay put for a while. While we just play ISO ball, which is essentially what's it's, going on out there. It, it is. It's exactly what's going on because they've made an effort. And, and this is the stupidest thing because it's not helping them in any way whatsoever. They made a concerted effort. You could tell sometimes to pass the ball. And it, and it shows. I mean, they're ninth in the NBA in passes. Okay. Yet in assists, they're 28th in the league. You know why? Because they pass the ball back and forth. Yet nobody's cutting. They're dead last in the league in free frequency of cuts. And you guys, you have guys on your team that should be cutting. Nilakina should be cutting. R.J. Barrett should be cutting across the floor. Bobby Porter should be cutting across. They're dead last in the league, so they're not finding these guys. Yet, they're sixth in the league in post-ups. They're 10th in the league in frequency of isolation. This isn't the, the team that, that you want to create. I don't care who's on your roster. You know, you're passing the ball that much. These guys got to move around. I'm sick and tired of sta- seeing everybody just stand around and then give the ball into to, to Randall. Morris very rarely gives up the ball when he gets it. It's like, come on. No, it's either it's either going to Morris or Randall, and they're Morris is either taking a shot or Randall's gonna barge, you know, force <laughs> his way inside and Dude. start spinning around. Oh, okay. <laughs> And he had, he had 20 points and 16 boards against the Cavs, but nobody gives a crap because they're empty. They're empty stats. It's not, he's not helping his team. He's really not. At the beginning, it looked like, okay, oh, maybe he's going to get more than five assists a game. He's going he's gonna to look to his teammates, but he really doesn't. He barrels his head down, and then, yeah, like you said, he just barrels his way through the, through the lane. And, and, the, and the dude dribbles like he's got a set of ping pong paddles for hands. Listen, I have to be honest. A lot of people are really down on Randall, and I'm not as down as people. Some people are. I just don't think he's a, can be a number one guy on the team. No, I actually love. I feel like he is putting in m- more effort than most Knicks, and it really seems to piss him off. I think he's trying too hard because he wants to help the team so bad, but it's 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 going again. It's it's turning into the opposite of what he should be doing. He should be sharing exactly. the ball more, but instead he's taking it all upon himself because he cares so much. If he was like the third or fourth option, he'd be great. He'd be a great option. I just don't think he can be that lead guy. And they're putting the ball in his hands like he's Carmelo, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he's some great ISO player and says, here, do what you, Randall, here you go. And most of the time he's just knocking over the other team or losing the ball. Yeah, and when he doesn't have the ball, he's not doing anything. Uh, Spencer Perlman, for Nick's film school, put up a, a clip um, which showed a possession of theirs. And, it, and 
it showed that like the downfall of Randall, where when he doesn't have the ball, he's not doing anything to help space the. Is floor. that guy from Nick's film school? I'm not sure about that. He is. He is now. He is. He's been working with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, actually, you know what? I don't even know. It might have even been Tom Piccolo. I don't know. So whoever it was from Nick's film school, they put up that clip. But yeah, he he's crowding the floor. He's he's like it's like when he doesn't have the ball, he's disinterested. And come on, for the amount of minutes that you're out there on the floor, and for the lack of offenses this team has, you got to play a bigger role off ball. I don't care who you are. The, the energy in that building, Barry, was like we were sitting there, and it was we were so bad that we were just hearing conversations all oh over the place. <laughs> At one How point, we hear this, behind like, us. Oh, there's this little boy. There's like a, a dad, a mom, and I think two little boys or a little girl and a little no, boy. A little boy and a little girl. But the boy, like you could, I didn't turn around to look at them. But by the sound of his voice, he had to have been five years old, maybe oh, six. Oh, it's so sad. And you could tell they go to a lot, a lot of Knicks games. He's like, yeah. Daddy, why do we lose every time we come to the Knicks game? Well, well even before that, before that, he was like, Dad, Dad. The Knicks are losing by 17 points. And the dad was like, son, they're probably going to lose by 30. Okay? <laughs> and that's when he said the other thing. Yeah. Why do we always see them lose? We always lose, son. Yeah. It was the saddest thing. Yeah, he's thing. like, it's the Knicks. That's what, that's what they do. They lose. It was such a, like, a funny yet uh. really depressing moment to hear like the, this father-son talk. And he's basically teaching his son to get used to it, you know? This <laughs> right, is what son, being a Knicks fan is. The son is. still doesn't get it. He's positive. He's happy. He's got that high-pitched voice. And That's the, dad is the, the dad is the most depressed-sounding <laughs> <Yes>. man. <laughs> We're going to lose. I mean, we lose by 30 every game. And every anytime Frank is like throwing the ball away, he's like, that was a great pass. Yeah. <laughs> that's what. Like, that's that's when you should have turned around and handed the kid a sticker and just been like, "Kid, it's a hard Knicks life." Yeah, fucking get used to it, buddy. Yeah, it was very hard to watch. Like I said, I was falling asleep. Barry in the in the fourth quarter, 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 quarter. Yeah, I had to get up just to walk around, and I went. I think there was like eight minutes left in the game, seven minutes, and. I'm walking through the concessions trying to find... They're all closing up shop. There's not a soul out there besides people who work there. I went to use the bathroom not at once. It was just depressing. Not one single person was around. And then I spent... I was so tired. I had to buy a Gatorade for seven fucking dollars. And I had no problem doing it. That's how miserable I was. It was, it was a sad, sad night. So sad that Perry and Mills had to come out after the game... And basically apologize to the fan base, which is unheard of. Should we play yes. some of this, Barry? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some people might not have heard it. Hey, guys. We just felt like, um, given that this is our 10th game, we felt we, we had an obligation to come and speak to you guys. Um, obviously, Scott and I are not happy with where we are right now. We think the team's not performing to the level that we anticipated or we expected it to perform it and it's something that we think we collectively have to do a better job of delivering the the product on the floor that we said we would do at the start of the season um, we still believe in our coaching staff we believe in the plan that scott and i put together and the players that we've assembled but we also have to acknowledge that we haven't played at the level we expected to play at we haven't played the we've seen glimpses of how we can play as a team when everything comes together. But we've got to find a way to play complete games at, at the level that we expect our team to play at. And that's 
a responsibility that we take collectively, but I also think it's important for us to communicate to our fans that we're not happy where we are right now, and we're committed to making this better, but we, this, we, we have to, as a group, come together and be more consistent in terms of how we play. What is going on with Perry and Mills? Ten games in here. A lot of people are saying that Dolan pushed them out there to talk to the fan base and apologize and just tell people that they are not happy. It's possible. I mean, look, I I did not think. I thought it was like, you know, 95% chance. There was no way that, that Fisdale was going to lose his coaching job during the season. You know, I thought, okay, 50-50, he may lose it at the end of the season, but there's no way they're going to fire him in the mid, mid, middle of the season. But after hearing them talk and just like the little things that they were saying to kind of set themselves up to kind of get themselves a little bit closer to being able to do that, you know, without it having to kind of be out of nowhere and be too premature, I think they were setting themselves up to do that, to be able to fire him midseason now. So I totally shifted my opinion. I think there is a 50-50 chance that it'll happen midseason. Well, yeah, because it's 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 either them or him. <laughs> I mean, they're these guess, two, these but... Perry and Mills are there together, giving this. If it was just Mills, you could maybe say like, is he going to do something? Are they going to get rid of Perry? You know, are they going to get rid of Fizdale? There's only if, if they continue to play like this. There's really only one. There's really only one solution during the season, right? Especially when you when you say that you believe in the coaching staff. But the players aren't playing at the level they're expected to. Well, who is that on then? Right? It's it's up to the coach to get the most out of his players, isn't it? So, I mean, the writing is kind of on the wall for me. Um, I mean, it may be true that he believes in the staff, but it's like, how much leeway do you give them? But yet, you look at other cases in this league very recently where coaches have had a very long leash and have had you know, records very similar to Fisdale had last year. Look at Brett Brown when he came on board with the Philadelphia 76ers. Year one, they went 19-63. and 63. Very similar to what the Knicks did last year. Year two, they got worse. They went 18-64. and 64. Still kept his job. Year three, they got worse. 10-72. and 72. Year four is when they went up a little bit. 28-54. and 54. Okay, so Brett Brown managed to stay above water in those four years of their rebuild. So you're telling me because this is New York and it's not Philadelphia, that's why Fisdale has this short leash? I, I don't know. Well, I think that Philadelphia was a little different. They were truly, they were truly fucking rebuilding and tanking. And they knew what they were doing. They were trying to lose all those games. And Embiid and Simmons were both injured for their first rookie years like they were tanking and getting top That's a big picks excuse and for them, not sure. and the players that they picked the top draft picks weren't even playing so they kept getting worse they weren't trying to sign players to help them win they were playing a bunch of fucking scrubs and young guys trying to collect as many picks as possible and they were saying trust the process trust the process trust the process their process right. was trust us, we're going to suck every fucking year and load up on draft picks. Right. But that's not, this is not, that's different than what, maybe that's what Perry and Mills should be doing, right? Maybe they shouldn't be signing like mid-tier free agents and then expecting 
the coaches and his team to start turning things around so quickly. This is just a totally different process. A lot of people believe, and I think a lot of us who maybe before the season, we all get sucked into thinking that this year is going to be different. I do it every fucking year. And we all start believing and looking at the roster. We're like, wow, this is like the deepest team we've ever had. It's the same shit every year. <laughs> and then they start playing and you're like, wow, there, this, there's really nobody that great on this roster. I said it to you last at the game. I was like, you know, Barry, is there... I love RJ and Mitch and Frank. Well, I don't know, I don't know why I said threw Frank in there. Knox. But... but is there really anyone that great after all of this losing and suffering? Is there anyone? I know we all really believe in RJ, but he's had two fucking awful games in a row, by the way. Right, that's the whole thing. I mean, we, and we got to talk about that. Is is RJ coming back down? We to have Earth? to get to that. We have to get to that. Before these past two games, yeah. I would have said like, "Well, RJ, he's the future. He's the future." I mean, hopefully, it's just a two-game rookie slide or whatever. But is there really anyone in this roster who's that amazing? No. There is not. Is there anyone on this roster you are fucking 100% confident in, Barry, that is going to be a superstar? 100% confident they are going to progress into a superstar. No. That fucking sucks, Barry. How many years? <laughs> We're done with the rebuild after two years. We're good. We got all the young players we need, and now we can just start adding to it. Fuck that. We're, we're nowhere. This is the most depressed I've ever been as a Nick fan. And you know why, Barry? I've said your name like three why? times in the past minute. Because we right. have been patient. And year after year, you're like, all right, we gotta, we, we'll, just keep, we'll keep getting these young guys. Keep getting these young guys. And that now we were supposed to start turning the fucking corner. And now Perry and Mills are about to fire Fizdale. And they're going to pick some other fucking random coach that isn't going to work out because they're going to do whatever they're trying to do to make this roster they put together succeed. And you know what the truth is? The truth is this roster is not fucking good. But we're going to spend the next year and a half probably of them trying to prove that it is. <laughs> I see where this is going. And it's awful. We're going to be having the same fucking conversation a year from now. If they stay here. If they just get rid of Fizz, you think they're going to fucking hire coach? The coach is going to finish this last like 80% of the season and they're not going to give him another shot next year no matter how he does? It's going to be the same shit again? Am I overreacting here? Because I truly, I'm down. Because I see that this is going to be another two years of misery. It's, it's really, I think it's Mills. I think it's Mills trying to keep a fucking job, essentially. It, it all depends on... on what he conveyed to Dolan before training camp even started. Once they knew that they weren't getting the big fish, what was his plan? Because you know the plan going into the summer, What? but what really was his plan when he found out what he was left with? And it could be to trust the process, but he's not going to say that. I mean, we saw that they signed all these guys to short-term deals, you know, with the exception of Randall. Um, they held on to all of their youth, Trier and Knox and Frank, Dotson, you know, Mitchell Robinson, they held on to all those guys. They didn't get rid of them, right? Half your team is made up with these guys that you brought in either through the draft or that you signed right after draft night. So, you know, big picture, 
And and that's that's the optimistic side of me. You know, is that okay as as shitty as it is to live through these seasons and to watch these dreadful games, if I know that this is going to turn out in another two or three years when I'm still looking at these same young players and then they've added to that because they've done all this losing and because they've gotten even more lottery picks and they keep on building and the, the picks are getting even better, like RJ. RJ is better than, than than Kevin was last year and so forth. And maybe next year we get a guy like Cole Anthony or you know a top, top pick. Then, you know, then maybe we turn into this exciting young team that is rebuilding. And I know it's, 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 tif- it's difficult. It's tough. But, I mean, if you don't stay with the same regime in place and the same coach, you know, instead of giving up after two years, th- th- then how do you do anything? And how do you, how do you not take a, a leap forward? Well, what you say about Cole Anthony, that, that might be our only fucking chance, actually. But you know what the problem is? Perry and Mills are so upset that we're not winning right now. They're not trying to get Cole Anthony. <laughs> they want to get as many wins well, as look. possible, and we've only got two fucking wins in the first 10 games. But you say Cole Anthony, and, and dude, I I mean, that that is the most exciting thing about potentially us just being miserable again, is that we are so desperate for a point guard, and there's three coming out in this next draft that are, I believe, all top three point guards are going to go in the top five. You got Cole Anthony, LaMelo Ball, and you got... Uh, R.J. Hampton, I think. That's right. For the next six months, we're going to do draft pick breakdowns week after week. But that, is, but we need that so desperately on this team. We do. It, especially since we got no fucking coach. We, it, it's been such dire straits in the, for the point guard situation for this team for so long. That really, that is such a key part of the team. That could make all the difference in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we don't have anybody right now. We just talked about how like their lack of, of cutting to the basket, let alone... You know, a real point guard that can do that. But Barry, Perry and Mills are convinced that they they put together a roster this offseason that can compete. And everyone's laughing at us, laughing at those two, oh, being like, gosh. how could they actually believe? How have they convinced Dolan and everyone in that organization that they put together a roster that should be competing <laughs> every night and that Fisdale is the one that's failing here? Fisdale. I don't think, I mean, I have to be honest, I'd get rid of fucking all three of them. Right now. Right now. But then, it, but it's like, what's the plan? Or you're saying that, or are you saying that, well, you're saying everything is to shit. The guys that they signed are to shit, the guys they drafted are to shit, and the guys that they hired to coach are to I shit. I don't think the guys we drafted are to shit. I love Mitchell, and I like RJ, and I like Knox. I love RJ, okay? These are the guys we've drafted. I love them You too. said like. You said you love Mitch and you like RJ. I love RJ. Well, listen, we've had we've had RJ for ten games. I don't know. I, I I like him. I think I can love him. Okay. I did love him immediately. I think it was like a love at first sight thing. You know, the past two games have definitely soured that a little bit. Do you like like him? I like like him. Okay. I think I'm really into him. I'm a little disappointed in him lately. But but where was I? They, You're they saying that you get rid everyone. of they get rid of all of. I get rid of all fucking three of them. I'm really disappointed in Fizdale's lack of being able to figure out a starting lineup, a rotation, his inconsistency with that, the fact that they run no offense whatsoever. I don't understand what's going on out there with him. And I know he was brought in to, to bring in big-time free agents. His, he's a relationship guy. And he hasn't been able to do any of that. 
Mills has been around since forever, and he's been a part of all the losing. He's been a part of all the hirings. Nothing has worked out for him. I mean, I really think that of all three guys, he's the most deserving to be let go. I don't think Dolan will ever let that happen, which is unfortunate. Perry, I mean, some people think that Perry is the least deserving to be let go, but this is his fucking roster. Yes, he's cleared a lot of cap space, but it doesn't take a great GM, Barry, to give Porzingis away for next to nothing and to just not sign people to long contracts. Any of us could do that. They just let people come off the books. That's not a brilliant GM. And Fisdale's really, he hasn't shown me anything. I would get rid of all three. None of them are impressive. All right, don't you keep jobs because you're impressive and you do great things. These guys are all keeping their jobs for just being, eh. Right. Eh. <laughs> Nothing. That's what keeps you <laughs> That's what keeps you getting paid millions for the New York Knicks. They haven't done anything. Give me something good they've done. One thing. One. I dare you. I, actually, no, two. They drafted Mitchell Robinson. That's the one good thing. Right. Anybody would pick have picked R.J. Barrett third. Right. What, what have they done? Do you want to hear any more of this? Any more of oh, of the of Mills and Perry? No, I don't think there's anything left to hear. One of one of the, the one of the I'll, I won't play, but one of the things that that I thought was interesting was, you know, that they're disappointed in the play, but they've seen the sporadic glimpses of what the team could be. Give me a fucking break. They've see, that doesn't that's not what the team can be. Any team at some point is going to start hitting some shots, yeah. and someone's going to catch fire. That's what they've seen. That doesn't mean they should be do Fizdale should be making them do that all the time. Even the worst teams have games where you're like, "Wow, we played great tonight." That's all it is. Yeah, it's basketball. You get you know you get hot, and every dog has his day. I mean, what the fuck is that? Yeah, we've seen glimpses of these moments, and you know we should be doing more of that. We we know all these guys are talented. You know they wouldn't be in the NBA if they're not talented. So we know that there's going to be times that they can perform. Anybody can get hot. I mean, fuck it. Jeremy Lin got hot for how long? Did you hear what the Cavs player, Austin Carr? I don't even know. Who is that? We were at the game, so we don't really hear. <laughs> you don't really hear the announcement. I guess Austin Carr is on the Cavs. He's, who is that? Have you ever heard of that player? No. <laughs> so he can't be that good. People are probably like, oh, he's fucking great. He's like one of the best up-and-coming players. You hear what he said about the Knicks roster? What? He said... The players on the Knicks are basically all the other teams' rejects. What? He did? Is how he viewed, yes, after that game. Are you kidding me? No, I mean, that's a real quote. Why does that offend me so much? I'm, I'm literally offended by that comment. The truth hurts, maybe. Are you trying to look at the roster? <laughs> are you looking at the roster who no. Austin Carr yeah, is right now? I'm looking at who this fucking guy is right now. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> Wait a second. This Austin Carr? Yeah. He's retired. He played for the Cavaliers, but he played in like the <laughs> 1980s, bro. Well, no wonder I never heard of him. He played in the 70s, actually. So what's he doing talking about the he Knicks? Play, he played for Cleveland from 1971 to 1979. Well, he has a quote. If you look at their players, they're rejects from other teams, referring to the Knicks. He's known by Cleveland basketball fans as Mr. Cavalier. You know, it's unbelievable because I saw the headline. It just said Cavs, Austin Carr on the Knicks. If you look at their players, they're rejects from other teams. And I was just like, I don't know who that is, but that's a great quote. Yeah, he like he, he broadcasts for Cavs games, oh, or at well, least he used sense. to. Well, Ian Begley, the day after 
this press conference is was reporting was he reporting that the Knicks are even before the press conference were laying the groundwork somehow for a Fizdale firing how do you lay the groundwork well i mean for a Fizdale firing i think that's a little overboard i mean i suggested it myself you know a few moments ago you know i said I, they, you know they're dropping things in there like you know they're not happy with the consistent level of effort like there there's no consistent level of effort or execution you know, which is all stuff that falls on the coach, you know, and they said they have patience, but they need to find a way to play consistent basketball. So how do you do that if it doesn't start from the coach? So I think they're they're saying the things they need to in case they decide to pull the plug. They can't say we didn't warn you. And Mills did say that Dolan, you know, they speak to Dolan very often during all these games and that Dolan still believes in the players, they, the roster they put together, the roster they assembled, the plan they have in place. I mean, you're right. <laughs> they are setting it up for Fisdale to be gone. Yeah. Dolan, Perry, and Mills, everyone believes in the roster they put together. They all believe that roster can compete. There's one person that's keeping that from happening. And David Fisdale is about to be the scapegoat for that, rightly or wrongly. I, I feel bad for Fisdale. He seems like a nice, good guy. Oh, dude, after... He's, he's, about, to, he's about to get fucked. And by the way, he because he has so many good relationships around the league... It's going to kill us even more. Just wait till Fizdale's fired and LeBron James and all of his buddies are going to come out bashing the Knicks because they're going to know that Fizdale was a scapegoat. And it's going to make players want to play for us even less than they do now. Watch. I guarantee you that happens. They, they were all pissed when Fizdale got fired from uh, fucking Memphis. Right, Memphis? Yeah. yeah. I, they I were pissed about I, I that. I hope they ride this out with Fizdale. I mean, again, we did not expect a playoff team. We did expect them to be better than last year. And, and you know, maybe there's enough season left where something can happen. I don't know what because we haven't seen any signs of it. But I, I you got to ride this out with Fizdale, in my opinion, for that reason. And then more importantly, because you owe it you owe it to the Knicks to, to at least at least stay with something. You know, you, you have a plan in your mind. You, you believe that you're a smart president and a smart general manager, then believe in yourself. I mean, we are smart enough to know nothing's going to happen overnight, you know, especially when you're not, you know, signing a guy for $40 million a year. Ride it out. Continue to do what you're doing. Continue to coach. But but I'll tell you, Fizdale, after that Cavs game, when he came up to the mic, he looked like he was already fired. How down he was and depressed looking he was. You look like so a you you man. would but so so you if you're making the decision if you're Dolan you're keeping all of them the rest of the way I am because what what's the upside to to ditching them and bringing another guy on now you know what and and there's not a, a set precedent for how long it takes to do a proper rebuild there's not there's not a set number you can't tell me it's it's supposed to take two years and that's it and then you're supposed to see X number of wins. That shows me that you are on the correct path, the right track. I don't believe that. No, but you have to at some point see something. Look, I agree with you. Something positive coming out of all this. Look, I agree with you that the Knicks look like garbage, okay? I, I agree with you there. The fact that they can lose and get blown out three out of the last four games to three subpar teams, it is really, really hard to swallow. 
But I can't. What if they played? What if they have they just had one game where they didn't get down by double digits? Oh. The Dallas game, and every other single game we're getting blown out pretty much until yeah. we make a comeback. Yeah, that's that's what's been happening. So yeah, I mean it's it's miserable. But I'm not after ten games. I'm still I can't I can't do that, Craig. I gotta ride. I gotta ride with him. You know, at the end of the season, you ask me again. I'll tell you, okay, I want to ride another season with him or I'll say I've had enough. But right now, I think you got to keep going. Don't look back. Well, I either think you have to get rid of all of them or 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 keep them all. Yeah. Like I said before, getting rid of just Fisdale is just not enough. Right. Nothing's going to come of that. All that does is buy Perry and or Mills another couple seasons. Right. And and yeah, you right. You either keep them all or you clean house. But if you clean house, you better have a real respected proven general manager to come in or you know chief of operations to come in you know and 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 come in with a staff that's going to really you know put an imprint on this franchise a fingerprint on this franchise but but again and honestly and honestly barry that's where it gets even dicier because that's where all this dolan shit comes in and right dolan's the guy above mills right and if he gets rid of all of them, it's Dolan picking the next guy. Right. And can you trust him to do that? Right. And and really, now you're asking somebody to come and be the guy right underneath him that's got to report to him directly and with the reputation that he has, who wants to put themselves in that position? I mean, that's like, that's fucking however many years ago with Phil Jackson. You know, he was trying to pick a guy to run the whole show. Mills was under Phil, right? Yeah. And... Right. He didn't want to deal. He knows he can't make basketball decisions. Hired Phil Jackson just thinking he's the genius of basketball and he will be able to fix everything. He'll be looking for another guy like that who we have to pay an insane amount of money for. I miss the triangle. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. At least it was fucking something. All right. We could cling to some hope that the Knicks had some sort of plan for how they were going to play, even though... It was an awful plan. It was a plan. We got the Knicks viewing party on Thursday. We play the Bulls tonight. We're going to either keep saying, like, this is going to be, this could get really bad over the next couple games. All right, we, we don't win games in Chicago. We're going to lose in Chicago. I hate to be negative. And then, Barry? What? The Porzingis, Porzingis at, at, the, at garden. the Garden. I, now, we spoke after, about this. After us embarrassing them on their home court, I mean, this is going to be a dangerous situation. And I think I think the response at the Garden is going to be mixed. I really do. I don't think it's going to be all booze. I think it's going to be like 50-50. Oh, right. Porzingis isn't sure what's going to happen. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, we see a lot of what's on social media, but there's a lot of people that go to the Garden that, you know, don't go on social media. They're longtime season ticket holders. You know, they, they loved KP. They may put the blame on, on the Knicks and not on KP. Listen, KP can't be coming at, at a better time for him because everyone's pissed off at the Knicks now. And now poor, here comes Porzingis. And, you know, part of you is like, well, you know what? The guy was a problem. Maybe he was right. He was the, the he was a smart here. one. Right. He was a smart yeah. one. I'm sitting here still on the Knicks train rooting for this team every day. He, used to, he had the smarts to get the fuck up out of Dodge. Yeah, maybe he. I mean, he's not looking so bad right now. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it. You guys should come to the viewing party. Barry and I will be giving out hugs throughout the night. I really think we're going to do that. 
Yeah. That's going to be my in this week. Who needs a hug? hug. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to be like, who needs, we're going to get on the microphone and be like, Barry's giving out hugs in that corner. Craig is giving out hugs in that corner. And you'll have like a long line of people waiting for hugs from you. And I'll be over there by myself. Maybe I'll have like a pocket full of like little sheets of paper that have like motivational sayings on them to get through it, to get on to the next day, have a positive outlook. You didn't even Peg, you didn't even respond to me saying that the line was gonna be huge for you and no one for me. Oh. <laughs> well, you were just thinking that's... about your fucking fortune. No, that's because I think that's obvious. That's what... <laughs> All right. Guys, follow me on Twitter at Hardnextlife. Follow Barry at Barry Dworkin. Reach out to us on email. It's a hardnextlife at gmail.com. Buy some crumb cakes. Use promo code HardnextLife. www.clarksonav.com. What is it? ClarksonAvCrum.com. Yeah. Uh, you can call us. We didn't do any voicemails this week. That's right. Uh, but yeah, call us. See, where, call where, us. where are you at? You know, do you think yeah. you should ride this out and give this team more time? And what is the right amount of time? Or let everybody go. But uh, let us know. 516-33-MESH-1. Remember, subscribe. Um, tell your friends about our podcast. Give us a rating or review. And uh, that's it, Barry. What do we? What else do we want to say? That's it. What more can you say? I think we've said it all. We'll see you all at the viewing party. All right? It is a hard Nick's life. It is really, really hard to swallow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.